Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Shalom, everyone. Hope everyone's doing well. Bezat Hashem, we're picking up today in Masechet Sanhedrin with Tetamud Aleph 9a, and we're starting at the very bottom of Chetamud Bet, Rav Ashi Amar. We're holding in the middle of a sugya, trying to explain the machloket Rabbi Meir and the Rabbanan regarding, as we began yesterday, if the case of Motzi Shemra, where a husband casts allegations against his newly married wife, that she was not a bitulah virgin, but rather she was a beula, does that need three judges to adjudicate, like monetary cases, which is the position of Rabbi Meir, or 23, which was the Chachamim in the Mishnah, like capital cases. Yesterday, we gave four different explanations, Ula, Rava, Abaye, and Rav Papa, to understand what is the case of the Machloket, as well as, as well as what is the basis of the Machloket. And today, we're going to continue on with two more explanations and finish off tomorrow, hopefully, with two final explanations. It'll be a total of eight. So today we'll do the fifth and sixth answers to explain what is the basis of this machloket. Again, today, uh, God willing, our learning should be as a refuah for Yaakov ben Dina. He should have a speedy, quick recovery. And Bezat uh, Hashem, we should hear only good things. So we're beginning the bottom of Chetem Bet, Rav Ashi Amar. The fifth answer is Rav Ashi. Now let me explain Rav Ashi outside before we see it inside. And we'll understand then the uh, basis of the Machlokat Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim according to Ravashi. Ravashi is going to explain as follows. Why does Rabbi Meir say Motzi Shemra requires three witnesses and the Chachamim say 23? So Ravashi learns as follows. We know, just a quick background here, as we spoke about yesterday, in order to administer some sort of a punishment in court, generally you need edim, witnesses to a Avera that was performed, as well as that those edim warned the perpetrator of the Avera that if they do this sin, they're going to be liable. But not only liable, they also have to say what is it that they're going to be liable. So, based on that, we know in general, when there's a lotase in the Torah, there's a negative command in the Torah, do not do something versus a positive command, do. Do not do, if there's no specific punishment listed in the Torah for the do not do's, the Lota says, the punishment is malkot. It's uh, getting whipped in court. That's the regular punishment for a Lota So in an ordinary scenario, if witnesses see somebody about to do an Avera, that's a regular Lota a negative command, they would go over and say, you know, if you do this Avera, you're going to get malkot, you'll be chayav to get whipped, uh, whipped lashes, and if he does the Avera, nonetheless, he had Edim, Hatra'a, and warning, he'll get Malkot in court. Now, you have some Lota says, where the Torah specifically says, don't do this, because the, the Torah speaks out that this is a Lota that's connected to death, Mitat Beitin. There's certain Lota says, negative commandments, that it's not just Malkot that you would receive, but actually there's a death in court. This is actually one of the examples. If a woman was genuinely mizanish, she actually strayed after Kiddushin and slept with another man, that's something that's chayav skila, it's chayav death in court. 
So if witnesses would see someone about to engage in a behavior that would be chayav mitah, they wouldn't warn that person, you know, if you do this, you're going to be liable to malkot, you're going to be liable to death. Fine. Now there is a machloket in Mesechet Makot. What happens in a scenario where it's a lotasa that's connected to some sort of mitat beitin? It's connected to a liability of death in court. And for whatever reason, the Edim are, are, are thinking creatively that day. They go over to the person who's about to commit the crime, the Avera, and they don't warn the person, you'll be chayav mita if you do this. Rather, they warn the person that if you do this, you'll be chayav malkot. So there's a machloket in Mesechet Makot. Is that warning sufficient so as to administer Malkot later in court? Certainly you can't administer death because they weren't warned. The perpetrator wasn't warned about death. So there's a Machloket there, but could you administer Malkot? This Gemara, Rav Ashi's answer, follows the opinion who holds. You could administer Malkot. The way that the Gemara calls it is, Lav shenitan la'azarat mitat beitin, a lotase that is connected to death in court, that the real punishment is death in court. But they weren't warned about that. If they were warned for Malkot, lokin. So the lokin alav. That's the, tan, that's the, uh, the opinion in Malkot who says, you could give Malkot because ultimately it's a lotase. They were warned that they'd receive Malkot if doing this crime. They did it. They'll get Malkot. Even though that's not... The main punishment that Torah talks about, they could receive Malkot. So we're going to go with that assumption in order to understand this answer. With that in mind, the Gemara says, Rav Ashi tells us, that now we understand the basis of the Machloket, Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim, because we have a parallel Machloket in our Mishnah, Rabbi Yishmael and the Chachamim. Regarding receiving Malkot in general, lashes in general in court, we have a machloket in our Mishnah. We quoted earlier in Betim with Aleph. Rabbi Yishmael says you need a court of 23 to adjudicate a case of malkot, of lashes. And the Tanakama of the Mishnah said you need three. So it'll come out that our machloket, Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim, is parallel to that machloket. Rabbi Meir holds like the Tanakama to, ad- to adjudicate a case of malkot requires three. Since this is a case of malkot, you only need three. However, the Chachamim hold the Yishmol, you need 23 to adjudicate a case of Malkot, and therefore, since this is a case of Malkot, you need a case of a court of 23 judges. Let's read that inside now. Says the Gemara, this is the fifth explanation of Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim, of their debate. Rav Ashi, Amar Rav Ashi says, Kigo, and turning to Tetemud Aleph, Kangoda Atrube Malkot, Velo Atrube Kitala. For example, that the witnesses who saw this woman who was about to commit adultery after Kiddushin, they warned her, the, the, the side, Mr. Tashas changes it to Bak, it's her. They warned her that she'll receive Malkot if she commits this adultery, but they did not warn her she'll be Chayav Skila, like actually is the punishment the Torah uh, dictates. Now, as Rashi explains, this follows the opinion that she would be liable to Malkot in this scenario. And then what is the machlogat Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim? Everyone agrees she'll be liable to Malkot. The question is, well, how many judges need to adjudicate a case of Malkot? Titnan, as we taught in our Mishnah, Betamud Aleph, Malkot, when it comes to cases of Malkot, how many judges are required to adjudicate? Vishlosha. So the Tanakhama says you need three. And that would be the position of Rabbi Meir as reflected in this debate. Yishum Rabbi Yishmael, Amr Ben Rabbi Yishmael, they said, and which is the position of the Chachamim, not like Rabbi Meir, 
you need a, K, a court of 23, and that's why you need 23, because you're going to administer Malkot. That is the fifth answer, which is Ravashi. Okay. Now, Ravina gives a sixth explanation of this debate, which requires uh, background over here. Ravina explains like this. Before we see him inside, we have to understand the following. The Torah teaches us that how do you establish the reality in court? What's the greatest proof you can ultimately bring in court? Witnesses. Right? So we know in order to create a reality, to determine the truth, the litigants bring witnesses on either side trying to prove their position. And we know the bare minimum amount of witnesses that are taken in general to be believed is two. You need a group of two. You can also have more than two witnesses in court, but generally you need a minimum of two to form a group that creates believability. There are scenarios, one person, like one person has believability perhaps when it comes to certain prohibitory law, but for a dude, for testimony, you need at least two. Now you could have a group of three also, which forms a group, but two is generally the bare minimum that is required in order to form a group of testimony that's believed in court. Now, the Torah teaches us, it says, on the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses, the matter is validated or is upheld. So the Mishnah in Mesechet Makot, Hey Amud Bet, asks the obvious question and gives a series of explanations. The obvious question is, if the Torah already says two witnesses is sufficient to validate something in court, so why does it also have to say three witnesses are sufficient? Certainly another witness wouldn't detract. That would only improve the believability. So this is a Mishnah on the bottom of Hayam would bet. Hashem, we have a little time today, so we can go through this thoroughly. The Mishnah teaches us like this. I'm going to go through the Shitot outside briefly as we're going to read it inside momentarily. The Pasuk tells us, It says, two or three witnesses, two witnesses or three witnesses, you can put somebody to death. So the Mishnah says, if the testimony is validated in court with two witnesses, so why does the Torah have to also say three? So the Tanakhama says, it's to create a hekish, a comparison between two witnesses and three witnesses. Just as three witnesses, which we spoke about yesterday, we know that there's a concept of hazama. What is hazama? Or edim zomimin is if two witnesses come into court and testify uh, about the litigant, whatever, whatever the scenario is, and then three other, or another group of witnesses shows up and says, you two poss couldn't possibly have known about this case because Imanu Ayisem, Ayitem, you were with us on that day, you were with us somewhere else, you couldn't possibly have known about this testimony. So not only is the first group knocked out and their edut is totally negated, but on top of that, what ends up happening is the Torah prescribes a punishment against the first group, Ka'asher Zamam La'asot La'achiv. What they were trying to have done to the litigant that they were testifying against, they receive that punishment. And this is discussed extensively in Mesechet Makot. So the Tanakhama says like this, just as three, the second pair that can knock out, can be mazim, the, the first pair, if it's three in the second group, they could knock out a group of two, so too, if the second group is only two, they can knock out the first group, which is a group of three. 
means the numbers beyond two don't have greater value. And therefore, that's the chidush of the Torah. Two and three, it teaches us they're equal. Just as a later group of three can be mazim and ruin the first group of two, a later group of two can also negate the first group of three. If they say, Imanu ayitem, you were with us on that day, it would negate the first group. That's the Tanakhama's chidush. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon says a second chidush. And he says, what does it teach us? Just as, and this is very interesting, in order to administer that, which means if the group is negated with hazama, you administer against that first group what they were trying to have done to the litigant in court, whoever they were testifying against, the defendant. So the only thing is, is in order to administer the punishment against the group, the entirety of the group has to be muzam. Meaning, to negate the group, all you need is for a second group to come in and say, even one of you, you were with us on that day. Then the whole group is negated. But in order to punish the first group, to administer this punishment, it would have to be that all of them were negated. So Rabbi Shimon says like this, Just as two, if there's a group of two, they would not be able to be killed if they were muzam, unless they were both made into Edim Zomamin. So too with a group of three, you can't kill any of those three. You can't administer the punishment they were trying to have done to the defendant until all three of them are muzam, are negated through hazama. Now that's Tanakama and Rabbi Shimon. Comes Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva says, according to these first two shitot, it's actually a leniency the Torah is telling us. What's the leniency the Torah is telling us? Either, as the Tanakama says, two can knock out three, or as Rabbi Shimon says, you wouldn't administer kasher zamam, the punishment that the, the witnesses were trying to do to the litigant, to the defendant, unless all three of them were uh, muzam. So those are leniencies. Rabbi Akiva says that's not the pshat in two and three. The chidush of two and three is actually telling us a chumrah, a stringency. And let's see that inside, how he learned what the chumrah is, and we'll tie this back in to explain how the sixth answer, Ravina is explaining the Machloket Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim. So let's see this inside now. Ravina Maravina says, Kegon The case is where one of the group turned out to be Karov o Pasul. It's very interesting. If one of the group in general, you have a group that goes to testify in court, and it's a genuine part of the group, whether it's two witnesses or three witnesses. If he's part of the group of testimony, and one of them turns out to be an invalid witness. Now what are examples of invalid? Karov would be a relative. So if it's a relative of someone involved here, brothers let's say, he, his, his testimony is negated, and the entire group is negated as well. Because he's part of the group. Pasul, so this is discussed extensively in many places, um, Rosh Hashanah, Makot. What is a pasul? So for example, someone that would be invalid for testimony is a thief. A thief, a gambler, different examples where someone would be invalid for testimony. If one in the group of the witnesses, one of the group, turns out to be somebody who is invalid for testimony, not only is he invalid, but the entirety of the group is invalid. But the, the machloket we're going to say over here is like this. What determines his status as part of the group, that if he's negated, the entirety of the group will be negated as well. 
and this is going to be a machloket, I'll just speak it out and we'll see it inside, does that fellow who's the karover pasul, who's going to be negated, have to issue the hatra'ah, the warning, along with the others, in order that he's deemed part of the group, that now that it turns out he's invalid, the whole group is invalid? Or is it purely by being there when the hatra'ah is issued, when the warning is issued, that he's invalid and also he's part of the group and invalidates the rest? This is going to be the basis of the, the debate, Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim. And let's see how this works. So let's get back to that, that Mishnah and Hamwood bet now. So the Gemara says like this, this machloket Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim will be the same machloket Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi in accordance or within the shita of Rabbi Akiva that we left off with there in Makot on Hayamud Bet. Titznan. The Mishnah teaches us in Mesechet Makot, it says like this. After those two shitot that we quoted, Tanakam and Rabbi Shimon, who say leniencies that are derived from two and three witnesses that are stated in the Pasuk. Rabbi Akiva, Omer Rabbi Akiva says, Lo bashlishi, the reason the Torah says three, El alav, rather, it teaches a chumrah. It teaches us a stringency in the case of three. La'asot dino be'elu, to make his uh, punishment, his outcome, this third one, who was part of a group that was muzam, that was negated, as others said, you were with us, you couldn't possibly have known, to make his punishment the same as the first two. Rabbi Kiva says a very interesting chidush. He says like this, you have three in this group. They all turn out to be edim zoma mints. You want to punish them. The third fellow in the group could say, look, even without me testifying, the first two witnesses in this group were trying to have this defendant punished in, with death in court, let's say. So I didn't really do anything. Since I didn't really do anything, I shouldn't be punished as well. That's the chidush of the pasuk. It says, just as with two witnesses, they will both receive the punishment they were trying to have administered towards the defendant. With three, you can't separate the third party and say, the third uh, aid, third witness and say, he wasn't really involved. He was just an accessory. He's exempt. Since you were involved in this case, you're part of the edut, you also will absorb the punishment the other two are going to receive. And therefore, if they are all muzam, they're all going to be killed, if that's what they were trying to give the defendant, because he was netapel, he was an accessory to ovrei avera. And Rabbi Akiva continues and says, there's a big lesson to be taken from this. If the Torah administers such a punishment to those that are nitpal. Nitpal means they're accessory. They're secondary. They're just connected to those who are doing a sin. They're punished like the people who sin themselves. How much more so that Hashem will give reward to those who are engaged in as an accessory to doing mitzvot, to those who are doing mitzvot, like those who are doing the mitzvah themselves. Now we're not going to focus so much on this, but what's the idea Rabbi Akiva is saying is that this third fellow, even without his testimony, the defendant would have been punished in court. Nonetheless, since he engaged in this and was as part of the group, he's punished along with the Ovrea Veira. So since we know that Hashem's Midah is his measure of reward is greater than the measure of punishment. So if somebody, there's people who are going to do a mitzvah, and they could do it on their own, they don't need me to uh, support it to, to take part as well. And I engage in it as well. I'm going to get rewarded like those that are doing the mitzvah. Beautiful idea. 
Now that's the first idea Rabbi Akiva says. But Rabbi Akiva continues and he says a second idea too. Umash na'yim, and just as regarding two. Nimtza echad mehen karovo pasul. If one of the group turn out to be a relative or invalid, say a thief, and therefore his testimony is negated, edutan b'teila. So just as if one of them in a group of two is a karovo pasul, the entire group is thrown out, af shlosha, so too regarding a group of three, if it turns out that one of the group is a relative or pasul, their testimony is negated. Now that means that even though theoretically one could argue and say, why do you throw the whole thing out? Remove the karovo pasul, remove the relative or the invalid testimony, aid, and then the other two is still a group and they could testify. No. Once he's part of the group, and that's going to be the discussion how that's made, once he's part of the group, if he's a karovo pasul, Rabbi Kiva says, that's the chidush that actually that we're teaching here. Three is like two in that way as well, which is the third fellow, Karova Pasul, cannot be just removed to the side and the other two can continue to testify, validating whatever it is they're trying to testify about, but the entirety of the group is negated, just like if one of two was invalid. Continues Rabbi Akiva, How do we know that even if there's a hundred, means you have a group of a hundred, it's one group that walks into court, but it's one group of a hundred edim, that even if one of them turns out to be karavu pasul, the entirety of the group is negated. How do we know that? Amud lomar edim. So Rabbi Akiva says, that's, we derive that from the verse because it says, Shnayim edim o shlosha edim. It didn't have to say edim twice. Why does it say witnesses twice? To imply that this is not only true when it's two or three, but even if it's up to a hundred. No matter how many witnesses you have, if it's one group, and that we're going to have to define how that's determined, but if it's one group, if one of them is karovu pasul, is invalid, the entirety of the group is negated. Their entire testimony is thrown out. This is the position of Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Kiva says the reason it says two or three in the Pasuk and Edim adds on to that, regardless of the number of witnesses, if it's part of one testimony, one group, if one is Pasul or Karov, the entire group is negated. I want to just point out on the side, this is where it's one group. If you have two different groups of testimony, right? two different people, two people come into court, they're one group, and then another group comes in later, and one of the second group is invalid, the first group has nothing to do with that. But where they're all considered part of one group, even one karovu pasul negates the entirety of the group. That's the chidush of two or three in the pasuk, says Rabbi Akiva. Now, in that Mishnah, uh, we have a machloket tanaim within the position of Rabbi Akiva. Amar Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi explains, When is it true that one of the group will negate the rest of the group if he's karovur pasul? This is true by capital cases. So Rashi explains the reason for that is because generally when it comes to capital cases, the psukim teach us that we always try to find, to lean on the side of favor. We always try to find the favor so as not to put somebody to death. Rashi says, we know it says, you want to save somebody from death. So therefore, even if only one of them is karavur pasul, but it's a scenario of capital punishment that he might, the defendant might be liable to death, or the AD might be liable to death. So in such a case, one of the witnesses invalidity will negate the entire testimony because we want to save the defendant here we're always trying to save people from death but when it comes to monetary laws so we don't have as much of a compulsion then or a motivation necessarily to negate the group and therefore Rabbi says Rabbi Yossi says so he says Rabbi Akiva's position wouldn't necessarily apply by monetary law 
there by monetary law. If one is karover pasul, the rest of the group can still testify as an independent group, just remove the guy who's karover pasul. That's the position of Rabbi Yossi. The one invalid would negate the entirety of the group. In monetary cases, it wouldn't. You can use the remaining two uh, to testify about this case. Rebbe Omer, Rebbe says, First, Rebbe argues on that and he says, Firstly, whether it's capital or monetary, the entire group will be negated if one of them is Karov or Pasul. But this next statement, this is how Ravina is actually going to answer and explain the Machlogat Rebbe Meir and the Chachamim. Ve'ematai, but says Rebbe, when do we say regarding nefashot, regarding capital cases, the invalidity of one will negate the entire group? Bizman shehitru bahem. It's when the pasul was part of the warning to the person about to commit the crime. That means that if the, the only way that one will join the rest of the group, and that his invalidity by capital cases will negate the entirety of the group. This is in a case where they engaged in the warning as well, where the karover pasul engaged in the warning. means they came to court and said, yes, we were part of the group in the context of the warning. <laughs> but if you had a karover pasul, who just happened to be standing there, and they, did, they said, we did not administer the warning. We were just standing there. So then what you'd be allowed to do is to say, you're not be'etzim part of the group. You did not, says Rebbe, administer the warning. We could remove you from the group. And therefore the remaining two who were not muzam, who were not karover pasul, excuse me, they weren't negated. They would still be able to testify despite your invalidity because you're not considered part of this edut. And Rebbe proves his position, Tetem would bet. Because if you don't say this, what will be the scenario, what will be the, the, the possible uh, way to validate or to testify if there's two brothers, and then there's a third person? You have a scenario, there's two brothers standing together, and then there's a third individual who's not a brother. That they saw someone killing another person. So what Rebbe's saying is like this. If you're automatically part of the group, even if you don't administer the, the warning to the person about to commit the crime, so in any scenario, says Rebbe, where there's relatives that are there with another person, it could be a hundred other witnesses that are there, it's all one group and it would all be negated because everyone's going to be grouped together by definition simply by witnessing together with Krovim. And since there's relatives that are there, you can't have any testimony. That's impossible. So rather what Rebbe says it must be, in order to join the group, you have to administer the warning. If you administer the warning, so then you'll join together, and if there's one karover pasul, it would negate the entirety of the group. But therefore, in a scenario where there's two brothers and, and one other person, one of the brothers will not administer the warning, one brother will, and the other person who's not related will, and that would be a valid testimony, and the third fellow is not considered part of this. The brother who's related, you leave him out, he's not considered part of the group. Now what's the Gemara assuming, let's tie it back in now, that Rabiosi, the first opinion here, he seems to argue. So according to Rebbe, in order to be part of the group, that your invalidity, your uh, being a karover pasul would negate the entirety of the group, would only be true if you were part of administering the warning against the defendant when he was about to commit the crime. But if not, you were just standing there, you were a bystander, you're not part of the group. So you might be invalid, but the rest of the group could still testify. 
Rabbi Yossi doesn't argue on this point, so the assumption the Gemara is making is Rabbi Yossi seems to hold that even if he does not administer the warning, the karov or pasul, the relative or invalid witness who is part of this group will join to negate the entirety of the group regardless. Now Tosafot says practically that's not what Rabbi Yossi holds, but that's the assumption of the Mishnah, of this debate. So therefore what the Gemara is saying is like this, Ravina is answering, what is the scenario of the debate, Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim? It's where three people walked into court. One of them was a Karov or Pasul. The two who were not the Karov or Pasul had issued the warning to the defendant. They issued warning. The third fellow turned out to be a relative. He had not issued the warning. So now let's speak this out. According to Rebbe, the third fellow could be removed from this case. This is actually a capital case because tying it back into Motzi Shemra, they had warned her don't commit adultery because this is going to be a capital case. Their testimony is upheld because the Karover Pasul who did not administer warning could be removed from this case altogether. He's not part of the group. Therefore, this is a real capital case and the Chachamim follow Rebbe and they say in such a scenario you need a court of 23. This is a capital case. But Rabbi Meir follows the excuse me, I said that wrong. Is that even though he didn't, the Chachamim follow Rabbi Yossi, sorry. The Chachamim follow Rabbi Yossi, even though you did not administer warning, nonetheless, you are part of this group, says Rabbi Yossi. And what's going to happen now is this is a capital case. Chacham is saying you need a court of 23 to adjudicate. But Rabbi Meir holds like the position of Rebbe that in order to be part of the group, the Pasul actually has to administer the warning as well. Since he did not uh, uh, say the warning, he's not part of this group, which means... One second, am I saying this wrong? One second. Sorry, I'm saying it wrong. Delete. Let's say this again. You gotta get this clear. Again, Rebbe holds, Rebbe holds, that in order to be part of the group and it would negate the rest of the group... There has to be a warning issued by this person. I mean, there's not a warning issued, so he is removed, and the testimony proceeds with the remaining two witnesses. Rabbi Yossi holds, even if he was there when the warning was issued, he is still part of the group, and therefore, if he's invalid, the entire group will be negated as well. Oh, so let's get this clear. Since Rebbe holds, let's tie this back in. What is the case of Machloket between Rameir and the Chachamim? Three witnesses walked into court. Two of them had issued the warning to this woman, don't be Mizana during the Kiddushin stage. And uh, she went and was Mizana anyway. Now, there was another witness with them at the time who had not administered warning, who turns out to be Karover Pasu. According to Rebbe, since he didn't administer warning, he could be removed. And since he could be removed, the capital case proceeds because you have witnesses against this woman who say that she was Mizana. And Therefore, according to Rebbe, this is a real capital case. The psul of the third fellow doesn't negate the group, and therefore, Chachamim follow Rebbe's position. You need a court of 23 to adjudicate this case. But Rebbe Yossi does not seem to hold this way. He holds simply by being there and seeing her being Mizana there. Even though he didn't administer testimony, he's still part of the group. Therefore, his psul will negate the entirety of the group, which means you don't have a capital case here anymore. Now it's purely a financial claim. I don't have to pay your ketuvah. 
And Reb Meir will follow Reb Yossi. Therefore, you only need a court of three to administer, to adjudicate this case. So it comes out that Rebbe, Chachamim, follow the position of Rebbe. It's a capital case because this fellow didn't administer warning. He's removed. But Rabbi Meir will follow the position of Rabbi Yossi within Rabbi Akiva again. Even though he didn't administer warning, he's part of the group. He negates the entire group. This is a monetary case now. And therefore, you only need a court of three to adjudicate this case. We're going to stop here towards the top of Tetemun Bet. We're going to pick up tomorrow, God willing, with the final two answers, the seventh and eighth answers to explain the Machloket Rameyer and the Chachamim. But in the meantime, I wish everyone a wonderful day.